should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z, covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Tuesday. Happy April 11th. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. The Michelle Miao Show is your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And it's Tuesday, so that means it's our favorite day here on the show because John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is here with us. Hi, Michelle. <laughs> I, always, I, ju I always just feel more comfortable. I mean, I think that the show should just have you on forever. Like, I mean, every day. 24 hours a yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. It's the John and Michelle show. Um, I, I, I love saying, you know, my little motto that I came up with, like, years and years ago, your A through Z covering the LGBT. I said that to someone yesterday, to Peter Bratt, uh, Benjamin Bratt's brother, who's also a filmmaker, and you may have seen his film La Mission, um, starring Benjamin Bratt, by the way, uh, which is about a Latino family and has a, a coming out story included in it. But I met him yesterday and I, he was like, so what, what show is this going to air on? Uh, and I told him and I gave him my motto and he was totally stoked about it. He was like, I really want to watch your show. That was <laughs> the first time, you know, somebody like of Peter Bratt's status said they wanted to watch my show. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I was able to meet him and Dolores Huerta to do an interview for their upcoming documentary, Dolores, mm -hmm. which will be due, uh, due out this fall in September sometime, and it's already won several awards, in including uh, Sundance, uh, or an award at Sundance, and, and some recognition. Uh, I, I got to see the documentary, and it's a great portrayal of Dolores's activism life but it also gave us some truth and it also it 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 it, uh, it had some light it showed some light on the fact that Dolores would like lived in the shadows of Cesar Chavez in the labor movement and simply because she's a woman so I can't wait to air the documentary or I'm, I'm sorry I can't wait for the documentary to to hit theaters, but I also can't wait for my interview yes. to air on Coffee TV. Well, I think both <laughs> are overdue stories to hear, so that'll be good. So, John, we, we usually kick off the show uh, with you talking about what's going on in this country. Yeah, nothing good. <laughs> that's the that's short answer. It's like chaos. I'm still confused about Russia. Um, and now it seems like our relationship with, with Russia is going down the the tube or something like that. Sure. I mean, they haven't been good, of course, for years. Um, and uh, everyone expected, of course, that things would become better, at least, under uh, Trump and Putin sitting in a tree. Um, but uh, right now they're saying, I mean, the Russians are even saying this is the worst it's been since the end of the Cold War. 
uh, Mike, uh, what's his name? Rex Tillerson. He's our Secretary of State. Believe it or not, he actually exists, even though he never likes to be photographed or talk to the press. But uh, he is in Moscow, or else he's heading to Moscow right now. I forget which. Uh, and he is going to be meeting with the foreign minister. This is so every every uh, Secretary of State pretty much has when they go to Moscow, even though you of course meet with your counterpart, the, they're the foreign minister. Especially their first trip, they've always met with Vladimir Putin. Um, so far, Moscow is saying nope, nothing scheduled. <laughs> they don't, because Tillerson has been saying. You know, Russia's got to change. He's, he's basically trying to bully Russia into dropping Assad, uh, the leader of Syria, as a client, which Russia's not going to do because Syria is its number one, it's its anchor in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it's, it, this is going to probably get nastier than before it gets resolved. So, you know, for everyday people like myself, if we were to articulate this, it sounds like a date gone bad, really, really bad. This would be like a date gone bad where the cops are called and, <laughs> um, you know, a few things are blown up and, and afterward all the parents come together and start screaming at each other and fighting. It's, 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 it's actually one of those issues where, and we were talking about this on our week-to-week -week program, uh, our political roundtable that will be airing this Friday on, here on the Michelle Miao Show. Um, and what, what's got a lot of people scared is just that this is a small incident that could blossom into something worse, you know? Let's talk about something blossoming fun? into something worse, though. Oh, no. If we're, if we're talking about that, I mean, the president has made comments about North Korea mm -hmm. recently. Um, so we're now kind of, I, I mean, people are in fear that we're provoking a, a, you know, a situation where there could be a World War III. If you're talking Russia, you're talking the Middle East, and you're talking North Korea, and and also he's mentioned something about China. Well, he had a good meeting with the Chinese leader, surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly. The Chinese know how to deal with uh, billionaires that they want to be on good terms with. So, of course, they have been, in the months before that meeting, okaying all kinds of uh, you know legal requests that he had had for his businesses, uh, I think some copyright stuff and things like that. So um, they knew how to butter him up. Uh, what's interesting is that his relationship, apparently, and his meeting with uh, the Chinese uh, president was, you know, this great success, and yet he had this horrible meeting with Angela Merkel, who is one of our closest allies. Um, to tie that all in, though, apparently, after he uh, ordered the bombing, he then had a couple phone calls. One was with our best pal, of course, the UK's prime minister, but the other was with Angela Merkel, so hopefully... <laughs> Maybe there's the one good thing that'll come out of this is uh, a better relationships with our allies. But you know, it, 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 what, it, what it has done is it's gotten a lot of Donald Trump's own supporters angry at him. Uh, the so-called alt-right or nationalist right or whatever you want to call them. Um, and uh, they're, because they don't want, they don't want the US to be out, you know, being the police of the world. Um, and uh, what we're seeing is kind of the, the establishment of the defense and intelligence industry or, in, uh, excuse me, agencies um, assert themselves in the Trump administration. And you could say that's either really bad because you, we could be careening into something we're not expecting, or it could be good because Donald Trump definitely didn't know what he was doing in foreign policy. Um, 
it's too early to tell, but uh, those are the things that people are looking at and, and uh, kind of trying to see where it'll, they'll develop. All right. Maybe moving on to something more fun, if there is anything. Oui. Well, at least Donald Trump, uh, he is the focus. There's so, there's so much going on regarding our country, but right now what's trending and ev- what everyone is talking about is the incident on United Airlines. Oh, good Lord, yes. Um it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre to me. I mean, one, it's not like any of us who have flown on United and or any other airline. It's not like we have never experienced airlines asking customers to take a different flight. It's happened before. But I think where it went wrong was, I don't know. I I mean, let's talk about this. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think by now, certainly if you don't know what the story is about, you simply don't want to know because you haven't been following the news whatsoever. Um, So I won't recap it too much, but um, so they actually didn't overbook the flight. Though that was their initial uh, thing, that, that they'd overbooked it. What? Uh, it's yeah. been confirmed that it wasn't well, overbooked? Well, th- that was what I read this morning. It wasn't overbooked, but they needed those four seats because they needed to get four crew people to Kentucky to uh, uh, crew another flight that otherwise would have had to have been canceled. Um, and, of course, what they came out was, you know, they first said, we'll offer you $400 and an overnight stay, and we'll book you on another flight tomorrow. No one w- took it, so they raised it to 800 uh, the CEO, I think, says it was raised up to a thousand. Well, they should have, of course, kept raising it, <laughs> you know, because this has already cost them what was it, more than a billion dollars in market cap, and uh, they're going to lose a lot more just in lost customers. But then, just, I mean, the photo of that that man standing in the back of the plane with blood on his face and and a look of shock, um, I think, is going to be burned in a lot of people's memories and it should be i mean what a what a kind yeah. of a police state sort of yeah i, th- I mean the uh, the aggression yeah i don't know if it were me and uh i'm thinking about customer service and a, a, a passenger clearly doesn't want to be removed or he's acting in this way i would Yes, I would probably look for someone else or deal with it in a different way other than asking for security and or police to come and escort him out in that, you know, fashion. The the, the, the most disturbing part of it is the CEO's response. Yeah. So I, I'm sure of it after news of their stock value being affected. And by how much? Do you know? I saw it, it dropped a billion dollars in market. <laughs> That's got to be his job. Um, well, apparently he is kind of credited with having turned around United. So he probably has some uh, way to give if he can turn around this this reaction, if you will. But right now, it's a, it's obviously it's the front page, first homepage news story on pretty much every place you go. And, um, you know, airlines are one of those things where everyone kind of has their favorite and everyone has a bad story about another one. And pretty much almost anyone you mention, someone will love it and someone hates it. I flew out of Chicago for a long time, and I know people who work for Chicago. They're good. You know, excuse me, work for United. They're good people. You know, I feel bad for them, too, because they're being lumped in with all this. But, um, you know, there's already been some attention paid to the police officer who actually is a... They have a separate Air Force, excuse me, airport police uh, uh, department, if you will, in Chicago for O'Hare, and he's already been put on paid leave. 
Yeah. So apparently this wasn't done by the book, like the CEO says, and they, they have handled it horribly. They could have, if, if, for one thing, if they could have just listened to the guy, he's saying, look, I'm a doctor, I have to be at work tomorrow, then okay, negotiate with him differently. Well, we don't have another flight tonight. We can book you on another airline. You might have a stopover in another place. We're going to give you this bundle of money. I mean, it, it could have been handled so much better. He, he would have been discomforted, but he wouldn't, he right. wouldn't be, right. have been violated then and now where everyone's picking him apart in the media. Yeah. So Oscar Munoz is the CEO. And again, just to give you a little bit more information, if you're not following the story, which I don't know who isn't, um, it's everywhere in the news, but yeah. he responded with, you, you know, basically this, uh, he used the term reaccommodated a customer in his, his response to the media. Um, and then, in, and then had another response internally to employees in which he justifies the actions because mm-hmm. the customer was belligerent. Um, <laughs> who is this? I'm going to call him a jerk. I think he is a jerk for the way that he is uh, handling the situation. Um, that's disturbing to me. It's just kind of how people, people, actual humans become inhumane as they represent their corporation. And they think, you know, they have all this power to treat humans. You know, this, this is a customer of theirs. This is a guy who actually paid for his flights. Um, and how they, they, they treat people and they think they have all this power. Anyway, what I hope for United is that uh, I don't hope anything, actually. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I hope that this just changes the airline business in a lot of ways and how they treat their customers. Well, and certainly not all airlines have this, you know, uh, thing where they'll de-accommodate or ultra-unaccommodate, whatever the heck he said. Um, so far, more than 15,000 people have signed a change.org uh, uh, petition to have Oscar Munez uh, removed. Here's something ironic. On March 16th, 2017, PR Week, Public Relations Week in the U.S., honored United Airlines CEO Oscar Munez as PR Week U.S. Communicator of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> I think they want their award back. Yeah, or these awards are just silly, like I think of any awards situation. And to end on this conversation, the most horrible thing is a local news rag, which an, an unknown news rag, the Courier or something like that out of Kentucky, had done some quote-unquote investigative reporting in which the uh, author of the article, I'm not even going to call her a journalist, this is not journalism, Morgan Watkins, tweets out, hey, does anybody know this guy? I want to get his side of what happened. Well, I don't think she ever got his side of the story, but printed an article this morning about how the passenger has a uh, colorful past and or criminal, criminal history. He's done some gambling, and he was accused of trading you know drugs for sex or or giving away prescription for sex and all this stuff which has nothing to do with the way that he was treated you know as far as uh, by united airlines but uh, this yeah. is like this is what internalized or or accidental racism looks like or blatant racism in my opinion because now everybody's talking about how this guy's a criminal and not even focused on the fact that he was beaten up on a, on a flight that he paid for yeah, I mean, they, they should. That's what they should put in their their press information and, and the stuff before you board a flight. If your past isn't squeaky clean, you know, <laughs> don't get on the plane right, because you risk being dehumanized and beaten and 
<laughs> right. Yeah. All right. We're, we're going to close out this conversation. If you have thoughts on it, head to michellemeow.com. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. Eventually, when I remember to load up uh, the commercials, <laughs> when we come back, John Zipper and I will continue our conversation. Um, we have an interview coming up. And we're going to discuss immigration and just kind of how it's all played out in this country, even with Supreme Court judges uh, ruling or halting these bans that the president has been trying to enforce. But what does that actually mean? How have communities been impacted? We'll tell you all about it as uh, we head into the second half of the show. So don't go away. The Commonwealth Club is a unique organization that brings together people from a variety of backgrounds to explore important issues as a community. Sooner or later, everyone worth hearing comes to our stage. From Marta Gomez to Richard Chamberlain, from James Hormel to Kate Kendall, leading thinkers, activists, politicians, and artists have come to the Commonwealth Club of California. Ted Olson and David Boyes came here to discuss their winning legal strategy for same-sex marriage. Jason Collins talked about gay athletes. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence discussed activism and good works. Actor and director Rob Reiner explained how he got Hollywood behind same-sex marriage. Barney Frank described what it's like to be gay at the highest levels of Washington. From healthcare reform to transgender rights, from immigration to gay-owned businesses, it's all at the Commonwealth Club. And that's still just a portion of the 450 programs we present every single year with new programming nearly every single day. Be a part of the conversation. Learn more at commonwealthclub.org. Download our free app in iTunes. And join us in person the next time you're in San Francisco. The Commonwealth Club of California puts you face-to-face with today's thought leaders. I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me here on the program. It is Tuesday, April 11th. Hopefully everybody's got their taxes done or just file for the extension. Just, you know, don't rush into it is what I read from an article on Forbes because you actually might risk uh, getting audited more if you're, you know, rushing to get it in and you do something that might screw you up. Um, anyway, I sound like one of those those tax pro people being paid for by some company. But but seriously, I, I'm just trying to get to a place to help people not stress out as much. John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is here with us. We're spending the first half of the show just talking about what the heck is going on in the world, in our country, um, what we're afraid of. Obviously, we started off by saying that we are afraid of World War III. <laughs> or potential of it. And then uh, we're afraid of flying now, <laughs> apparently. I mean, if well, you've I, got I a, a checkered pass, yeah. maybe you shouldn't fly. Well, and and in a place where everyone basically is, a, uh, is um, what's the word, suspected of being a terrorist, um, everyone has a checkered pass in the eyes of the government. 
um, yeah, I haven't enjoyed flying for like a decade or so. It's, it's just fighting your way through the airport, <laughs> getting on the cramped plane finally. I actually used to enjoy flying. I like I like physically being in the plane, and uh, I like kind of having that just kind of magical time, if you will, when I am not responsible for anything in an airport. I can go and buy some books and magazines or just sit and relax and wait for my plane. Now it's just I'm thrilled that I rarely have to fly these days. Yeah, and with all these reports, which is coming up in the second half, how we'll discuss just kind of the state of where things are at as it applies to travel and immigration and, and uh, you know, the undocumented community in this hysteria that the president has caused, in my opinion. But, like, for me, like, now I'm even afraid to, like, bring a cell phone if I'm going to travel um, on because people have been reporting that they are searching your cell phones. And one journalist had pointed out, like, that's only going to live – um, for so long, this practice of checking people's cell phone, and it's really just the president trying to exert some type of control and or power, because that's how tiny his hands are. Um, <laughs> because the real criminals are way smarter than that. They're not bringing their phones with, you know, all of their uh, criminal activity or past or their plans that are included. Like, they're not sending, they're, they're not flying on a plane with text messages to their other criminal buddies, like we're about to do something really bad. Yeah, meet meet me at the, uh, uh, the <laughs> disembarkation place and bring the guns. Yeah, so it is overreaching and it's it's overbearing. Not, mm-hmm. And I look back at like all of my Facebook posts and or Twitter posts, and you know, I, I'm as you said, in the eyes of the government, I'm probably on high alert. And the reason being would be just. You could just look at my Google searches and you would call me on high alert. You'd probably call me, you know, anything short of uh, uh, calling me a terrorist in general just by my Google searches. And all of those searches have to do with doing research for the show. Um, but 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 then again, like, who's going to listen to me? <laughs> just all of you. Yeah. So, John, you host your own show, which you mentioned, uh, that airs here on the Michelle Miao Show Fridays mm-hmm. at 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time called Week to Week Political Roundtable Talk. What other issues or things happening here in the country that you would like to uh, discuss? Well, we've talked about the issue of uh, police reform and, and violence and African-American Black Lives Matter, all of these interconnected things. And last week, our U.S. Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, uh told the Justice Department to review all of these agreements that the Justice Department has with local police jurisdictions, uh, like here in Oakland or many other places where um, they, the, they've entered into con- so-called consent decrees to change the practices of whether it's training or how they deploy police or you know the various uh, things that they will do in order to deal with problems and try to de-escalate, that kind of thing. And uh, it it doesn't mean because they're re- reviewing them that they're necessarily going to drop them. It also might mean, on the other hand, they're not going to enforce them. So you've got, uh, interestingly, a, a fair number of local communities, you know, mayors and even police chiefs saying, no, 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 we want those decrees because that's what's forcing us to make these changes. We're relying on that because, frankly, politically, locally, we don't have the guts to do it. Okay, they didn't say it in those exact words, but that's what they mean. They mean. Um, so... Uh, don't just focus on Syria and, and uh, United these days because this is the kind of thing that could affect what little progress has been made, if, I think, in, in 
a number of places as far as you know police brutality and and uh, police uh, uh, community relations over the past few years. Thank you for updating us on that. Um, and just to to make another confirmation of your theory, you did mm -hmm. say last week that Neil Gorsuch would be confirmed, and he has been. So he's been sworn in as the next or uh, he's fulfilled that seat of, of uh, uh, justice to the Supreme Court. Um, and just as you guess, the Republicans had used what, what they call a nuclear, the, the nuclear option. Yeah. option. <laughs> it's really called a nuclear option. Yeah, I mean, all it did was remove the, <clears throat> excuse me, the filibuster from Supreme Court nominations. And so they can still use it, for example, on legislation um, I read something interesting uh, yesterday or the day before that said Democrats actually aren't too bothered by the fact that the, Dep the Republicans did that, not because they wanted them to do it, but because they fully expected it to happen. If not on this, it was going to happen on something else. And so the Democrats, I think, even though, and I've said this too, it was a foregone conclusion. They had the votes. Gorsuch was going to become a Supreme Court uh, justice. So, But the Democrats definitely wanted to show, look, we're not, we're not, you know, bending over for this, not falling down on this one. We're we're standing up, and we'll we'll take a few lumps on it. Um, so it was yes, the Democrats doing it for their base, if you will, but they did it. You know, right. so yeah, no more uh, filibuster. Something else that I wanted to continue our conversation on and bring up last week, we introduced a story uh, that we couldn't confirm and still can't confirm as far as like any credible resource that's sending us information, but there are reports coming out of Chechnya yeah. of, of, of gay men being rounded up and being murdered or treated horribly. And so those rumors, I guess you could say, continue to circulate the media uh, here in America and, and some people confirming it. I mean, I, 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 the, I don't want to call it a rumor. I do think that it's true. But the, the, some of the articles coming out this week, though, are calling it the first ever concentration camp um, since, you know, what Germany did. Yeah, the New York Times actually was reporting on it today. The original source on this was a Russian newspaper. Um, I'm assuming it's one of the very few liberal Russian newspapers that would report this because Putin's people wouldn't. Um, is this all confirmed as far as, like, third-party people on the ground? I have not seen that. But it, it is starting to spread, and, and uh, you had made the point of just how rabidly anti-gay the leader of Chechnya is. And he, look, I mean, he's a gangster thug who was put in there by Putin um, to, you know, control this, this, uh, this restive province. So, and he's the guy who said that, oh, we have no gays here, you know. We have no one to put in these concentration camps because we just don't have those people here. Um, He's a, he's exactly the type of, exactly what you would expect from someone like that, and of course, the way relations are now with between the West and and Russia, there's no, you know, they're not going to sit down and say, okay, let's talk about Syria for three hours and let's be sure to set aside some time because Vladimir Putin would really like to get to the bottom of what's going on in, mm -hmm. in Chechnya. So, I don't know if how I don't know all the details of these stories, but yeah, they are talking about that. There's a they're calling it a concentration camp where people are taken and beaten, some killed, um, and supposedly there have been a couple people who escaped from that, and they're the ones who have been telling these stories to the press. 
if it's you know if, the, if things like this and reports of, of 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 things like this happening, it's a human rights situation. This is a th- what I had said was, I mean, we can't stay silent on this because this is this would be the beginning of other what other concentration camps can pop up if uh, we let these types of people come to power. Um, so if Donald Trump is really you know, not anti-LGBT, or he is an ally, so he said, or has said in a couple times, uh, or read in a script somewhere during his campaign that he's pro-LGBT, I would say that the president should condemn these actions. And it doesn't need to, he doesn't need to stand there and say, you know, this is actually happening and I know it, but he could say something along the lines of, if it is happening, we're condemning it and these actions. Um, And he hasn't said anything. So I, I haven't heard from him, but I did read, I guess, a passing uh, reference um, today. And I'm sorry, I don't remember where it was, but it did mention that the United States, you know, who knows what it was, was from someone in the State Department, someone in the Energy Department, God only knows, but that someone had that, that there had been a U.S. Uh, concern expressed about this to Russia. Because, um, again, Chechnya is Russia's puppy dog. Well, if you want to catch John Zipper this Friday, he continues his discussion and he in all things politics. You can catch his week-to-week political roundtable talk at 4 o'clock, California time, West Coast time, not Pacific Standard time, Michelle Daylight Miao Savings time, time. <laughs> San Francisco time, whatever you want to call it, 4 o'clock. Uh, make sure you tune in for that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll speak to America's voices and, and, and discuss what's happening as far as immigration reform or no reform. So don't go away. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by this ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.ale.com. G-R-E-C-A-R-E dot com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. 
Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on by joining our community. Each week, we send out an email that covers important things taking place in the Progressive Voices Network and throughout the progressive world. Be the first to know of upcoming shows, schedule changes, exclusive programming, and more. Simply go to ProgressiveVoices.com and sign up for our mailing list. It's that easy. ProgressiveVoices.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining the Progressive Voices community. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Tuesday. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is here as our co-host. Uh, we spent the first half of the show just talking about a couple issues that are affecting the, uh, I'm sorry, that are affecting the country. And just to remind you, John Zipper will continue his discussion on all those issues on Friday uh, with his week-to-week political roundtable talk that airs here on the Michelle Miao Show, 4 o'clock West Coast time. Um, let's continue our conversation of what's happening here in this country. I Every day I'm talking about the undocumented community. I'm talking about immigration. Everybody is is scared from the hysteria that the president has caused by first of all signing some executive orders that we've been talking about since January practically um such as you know the uh, the 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 wall that he wanted to implement uh, a ban on you know Muslim travelers um so where are we and I kind of wanted to have this discussion of like the state of immigration of travel the undocumented community and so our next guest is Juan Escalante. He is uh, with America's Voice. Juan, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so I was reading a press release, actually, on America's Voice, and I'll just jump into this as uh, John brought up Jeff Sessions before we went on to break. But supposedly Jeff Sessions, our, our attorney general, will travel to the southwestern border to claim some credit that apprehensions in the southern border have been uh, in the decline since March, which, I mean, really, that's like the last 30 days, if they're really counting. Let's talk about that. Absolutely. I think, you know, we have witnessed the Trump administration go time and time again to celebrate whatever victories they can muster, even as unbelievable as they may seem. The truth of the matter is that, you know, the uh, apprehensions and the cross the crossing that we have witnessed over time, especially through the Obama years in the, south, in the southern border of the United States, have been actually in the decrease. So what Jeff Sessions is going down there to do is essentially almost take credit for a lot of the policy work that the Obama administration has been upholding for the, for the duration of his administration. You know, we, have another, we, we, we witnessed how the Obama administration deployed more undocumented immigrants than any other um, administration in this country. And for, the Donald, for, for Donald Trump and for his administration to do this, it's essentially an excuse and almost a PR stunt to kind of cover up for the fact that his budget supplemental that would essentially put a down payment on the wall and raise the amount of immigration enforcement uh, officers uh, has been put on hold. Uh, the Muslim ban, as we witnessed, suffered two scathing defeats in the courts. And when it comes down to, you know, the, 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 the extensive amount of deportations that we continue to witness, we see time and time again that the community, you know, all across the country are rising up to protect, you know, their residents uh, from falling prey to Donald Trump's deportation force. I, I mean, I, I myself right now, I'm working in two specific cases out in Ohio, um, and, you know, time and time again, what we see is essentially this. They're trying to 
uh, distract us uh, by by claiming very small victories when in reality uh, the victories come from the community standing up what you do and whether or not you contribute to this country, a.k.a. whether you pay your taxes or you or come forward with some vital information that may assist law enforcement in your local community or state. We don't want you here. And that's a very, very loud and scathing message to send out to people who have lived in this country and who are American by all senses and senses and definitions of the word uh, and all their like is essentially a pathway or an opportunity to achieve any sort of adjustment in their status. Uh, so I think that it's, it's, it's essentially following down the doctrine that we've seen Jeff Sessions take as an anti-immigrant hawk throughout his years in, in, the, in the Senate, but it's the common sense policy that it's going to make our community safer. No. Is it something that's going to cost our communities a lot of money? Yes. And is it something that we as Americans should accept? Absolutely not. Well, and the Attorney General uh, really kind of reiterated what Donald Trump started his entire campaign way back, what, two years ago or whatever, you know, calling, you know, uh, Mexican immigrants rapists and others. Uh, Jeff Sessions uh, was basically picture point painting, you know, undocumented immigrants as as criminals, as, uh, you know, he, he, I'm reading from an article on, in Politico. Uh, he stressed the dangers of criminal gangs whose members turn cities and suburbs into war zones, rape and kill innocent citizens, and uh, profit from uh, human trafficking. Um, how do you deal with someone who's, A, not telling the truth, B, relying on, on emotion and fear? How, how do you counter that? Can you, are you looking to convince people who might believe that or uh, just to build up a bulwark that maybe would defeat them legally or, or what? Well, I think that there's, there's also two separate aspects in terms of that. And, this, and, and one of those is essentially... The, the, the judiciary has done an extremely good job in holding the administration accountable for essentially trying to expand its power and reach in terms of immigration in this country. Um, and, and no better example than that than, than the Muslim ban part one and part two. Right. But I also think that um, you know the, the second part of this entire narrative comes down to you know the people that are impacted. We are seeing folks who are being essentially targeted, who are mothers and fathers of U.S. citizen children who don't have a criminal record, pose no danger to our society, and instead they're being swept up like they're the bad hombres or the drug dealers, rapists, and, and, and murderers that Donald Trump said from the beginning, when in terms, that's not true. That's just the father or their mother that's trying to provide for the U.S. citizen child and who has not been afforded an opportunity to adjust their status in any way, shape, or form. Um, and I think that what's happening is essentially that everyday Americans are trying to essentially come to grips with what really is happening here because they may have voted for Donald Trump, like that woman that we saw in Indiana a couple of weeks ago, right. um, who said that I voted for Donald Trump, but I really did believe that he was going to go after the quote-unquote bad people. Or we saw that gentleman out of Chicago who said essentially, um, essentially he was the manager of a, of, a, of a very popular Mexican restaurant out there, and he also got swept up. And it wasn't until the mayor, the police, uh, the police chief of the town, and a bunch of other Trump supporters from this very red district in Illinois stood up and said, like, what are you doing? That this man was essentially allowed to be, like, go and, and you probably have to go back and check in with ICE and who knows what will happen to his case. But I think that what is really happening here is that people are coming to grips with and, 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 and deal with, you know, what the consequentials are of a mass deportation policy that has been set forth by the Obama administration, I mean, excuse me, by the Trump administration 
uh, in every single possible way through the, through the Justice Department, through the Department of Homeland Security, and obviously through the White House in and of itself, and that it impacts people that we care about on a day-to-day basis and that we sometimes take for granted because we're unaware of their undocumented status and we're not willing to look back and actually deal with a bigger issue, which is the fact that, the, that our country's uh, immigration system is completely broken, and instead of needing additional enforcement, what we need is a way for us to deal with the 11 million people who continuously, you know, pay their taxes and contribute to our country, and, and, and instead all, we, all we're doing is, is chasing them out, and we're going to deal with the consequentials of, of, of societal and economical um, uh, costs. Great point. Well, and great point, which leads me to uh, this question I've been dying to ask. I mean, so is this their reform policy? I, I mean, there has to be a discussion about reform. And the president had taken this platform during his campaign in talking about all the issues with immigration, but has never really uttered the word reform or things that we could do better in order to not make the country worse. What do you know as far as conversations that are happening or not happening, or you can enlighten us, about the fact that this president uh, and his mass deportation policy has nothing to do with reform at all? Yeah, I think no better example than when he addressed uh, a joint session of Congress earlier this year, where I think it was outlets uh, like political and, uh, and, and others essentially broke this, this story saying that sources at the White House were saying that the president was going to announce some sort of immigration reform pivot, um, which never came. Obviously, after we listened to the speech, it was just more of the same. Uh, and, and, and the truth of the matter is, is that essentially the, the Donald Trump that we've known from day one, where he announced that, you know, the, 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 the ills of this country are due to the, 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 the bad people that come from Mexico, the rapists and the murderers and the drug dealers. Uh, and that's the, this, that's the same person that we've known to be through and through. Um, in terms of policy, I think it's very clear what the president intends to do. He continues to essentially pedal through these very nasty, very discriminatory, very xenophobic policies in hopes of scoring a win. Uh, and he hasn't been able to do that. So the chances for reform in and of itself, you know, something that would allow, you know, people like my parents to adjust their status or people like myself to come out of the, uh, to, to essentially adjust my status, uh, may not look uh, as, as, as great as we, as we want them to, to be right now, uh, especially, you know, with Congress being a Republican, being under the, under Republican control. However, um, and I think that, that, that your audience may appreciate the fact that there are some policies out there in terms of dealing with specific, uh, um, specific segments of the undocumented community. And I'm referring specifically to, like, deferred action beneficiaries, otherwise known as, as, as the dreamers. There's a multitude of policies that are essentially being considered right now. Um, actually, I'll, I'll name two of them. There's the Bridge Act, um, which essentially would cement the deferred action status that some of us hold, also known as DACA, into law, allow us to renew this for three years uh, as, long as, we com- uh, as long as we comply with certain uh, prerequisites that are set forth by the law if it were to be enacted into, I mean, passed and enacted uh, by the president. Uh, so that's one. The second will be a bill known as ROC. Uh, which is essentially sponsored by a Republican down in South Florida. His name is Carlos Corbello, and it essentially uh, allows for a pathway towards citizenship to children uh, who are brought here at a very young age and who meet very extensive and specific uh, requirements, uh, again, if the bill were to be passed through the House and through the Senate and then signed into law by the president. So long story short, I think that there's a multitude of things that ought to be considered 
my personal take is that policy uh, is extreme. It's going to be extremely hard to get through any chamber of Congress and then for the president to actually agree. Um, we live in such a very partisan and, 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 and very, you know, emotionally filled uh, point in time in our nation that, you know, oftentimes we, we forget that when we're talking about this issue, which is by no means an easy one, we're also talking about the lives of millions of people, all of whom may be students, maybe uh, professionals who, uh, through different programs like the Ford Action, are actually working right now and contributing to their, their specific communities. Uh, we're talking about parents of, of U.S. citizen children who go to bed every single night fearing that they may be taken away from their children. Um, and I think that that's like the very most, and I think that's the most important aspect that we ought to remember is that, you know, we talk about politics, we talk about, we talk about policy, but when, you know, when the rubber meets the road, it's just that we're talking about people. And so far in the first 100 days of Donald Trump's administration, what we've seen is essentially an outpour of support for these 11 million people who continue to be, you know, victimized and uh, discriminated against this just because of who they are, where they come from, or because they lack a piece of paper uh, that essentially denotes that whether or not they're able to live their lives in here and, and, and contribute back and, and, and try to reach for, for better opportunities. I mean, it seems to me, looking at uh, the policies being uh, enunciated in Washington and, and uh, the raids we're seeing around the country and, and, you know, a whole bunch of stories we're seeing come out, um, I mean, this is kind of the darkest I've seen, you know, the immigration and, and uh, the immigrant, um, uh, what, experience, if you will, in the United States, at least in my lifetime. Um, and, you know, it's very uncertain. Do, do, is there reason for hope right now or just uh, enduring this and the hope comes from a new administration at some point in Washington? What do you think? I think folks ought to make sure that they prepare for the worst. Um, at the end of the day, you know, there is no denying that we're seeing some really horrific things happening across the country when it comes to the raids and the family separation and everything. But, you know, that doesn't mean that people should lose hope. I think that time and time again, what our community has essentially proven is, is that even though that we should prepare for the worst, and, in, in, and I mean that in the, in the terms of making a plan, having a, a family discussion, you know, lining up an attorney in case you should ever need one, um, you know, notifying your friends and family of, you know, what you're doing, when you're doing it, so in case that you get stopped randomly, you know, whether it's by driving or whether it's by walking on the street, that, you know, people know where you are and, you know, what essentially your routines may be. But I guess to the to the broader to the broader point is that what we've known to be true for the past ten and twenty years that people have been working on this issue publicly is that the immigrant community is a very strong and resilient community, and by no means of the imagination are they going to let themselves, you know, get taken without any sort of like advocacy effort or major push. For me specifically, I joined this movement and I started doing this kind of work when in 2007 I found out that I myself was undocumented and I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to go to college. And from that point forward, I just knew that I needed to do not only something for myself, but for you know all the other people across this country who wanted to make sure that they wanted to go and achieve an education or wanted to provide for their children. And you know we've seen that through organizing and through you know hard work because that's essentially what it is. It's, it's extremely hard work. Uh, we've been able to score some victories at the national and local level. Uh, granted, that was under another administration, but now that we're playing on defense, uh, turning into offense, I have no doubt and I have full-fledged credibility that people will find a way to make sure that we're able to resist a lot of these attacks that are coming down from Washington, D.C., 
and from our communities uh, when it comes to rape and when it comes to the implementation of very toxic and very xenophobic and un-American policy. Juan, I want to thank you so much for spending time with us here on the Progressive Voices Network and the Michelle Miao Show and, and talking to us. Thank you so much. Thank you. One is with America's Voice. Support their work by heading to americasvoice.org. Don't go away. When we come back, John Zipper and I close out the show. Many nonprofits rely on events to raise money, create space for community gathering, and offer opportunities to network. But how many hours in a day do community leaders have when they're busy changing the world? Imagine your next event, gala, festival, or celebration professionally executed with creative ideas and ideals to match your community service. IDK is the community's trusted event production company. Visit idkevents.com for all your event production needs. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? <laughs> Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side as a unified team of the best fertility specialists guided by the highest ethical standards Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on by joining our community. Each week, we send out an email that covers important things taking place in the Progressive Voices Network and throughout the progressive world. Be the first to know of upcoming shows, schedule changes, exclusive programming, and more. Simply go to ProgressiveVoices.com and sign up for our mailing list. It's that easy. ProgressiveVoices.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining the Progressive Voices community. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Tuesday with John Zipper and I. John, I was just reading some uh, tweets and retweets, and you and I were talking about um, you know, where the information came from or the reports of David Dow, mm -hmm. the victim of the United Airlines incident in which he was dragged out of the plane for refu refusing to give up his seat, even though he paid for his ticket, by the way, just because United Airlines had, quote-unquote, overbooked the flight um, and uh, randomly selected uh, certain passengers to, to leave. Um, well, it was a little, I guess, you know, a little newspaper or something, The Courier out of Kentucky, who had first reported who David Dow is by, by identifying him. And now i just like to let you know an official network is proud to say that they've got a desk full of legal papers uh, and will release the report at 4 o'clock today, and that is ABC7. Well, no one's going to hear about that, though, because <laughs> at 4 o'clock today, everyone will be listening to the Michelle Miao show. <laughs> so, ha on them. Uh, they try to uh, destroy... I mean, it's... Look, this is not to say... No one cares 
when someone's done something wrong, but it's their life and they've been dealt with by both their professional uh, association and the law. So um, he's able to fly on a plane, <laughs> get out of his life. And uh, as we're recording this, Sean Spicer, the White House uh, speaker, dude, guy, whatever, the guy that Melissa McCartney plays, <laughs> um, he he was uh, he has uh, addressed the the press regarding Syria, uh, and has used phrases or or he has said things like you know Hitler didn't sink to the level of using chemical weapons, like Syrian leader. Uh, whereas we know that I don't know. Does he need to go back into history to understand what Hitler did? If you're comparing Hitler to Syria or the situation. Uh, the Assad and Bashir Assad, the current president, is as bad as his father, Hafez al-Assad. I mean, these are terrible people. And it is one of those things, and in, in when you're looking at Syria, trying to, if you wanted to pick a side, good luck. You know, you want to pick the side of the civilians who just want to live their lives. Here's an interesting story for everyone who is, like, trying to block uh, Syrian refugees. So the Syrian refugees, Germany, you know, opened its borders and took in almost a million of them in one year, I think. Uh, and uh, the complaint that, that a number of them had was they got into Germany, and the, the Muslims among them, they're not all Muslim, but some of them were, would then start attending local mosques. They found the German mosques to be far too conservative for them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, those people I want protected, <laughs> but I can't, you know, don't ask me to pick between ISIS and Assad because they're both absolute scum. Right, right. So it, it, what I'm saying is like, uh, I mean, these statements are so strong. The statements are happening right now. It's almost as if to prepare this country on what our next steps are. I continue to say I don't think there's any long range planning in the heads of Donald Trump and certainly not Sean Spicer. Um, however, if, if you wanted to send Sean Spicer um, free round-trip tickets on any United flight, uh, I'm sure you can just send them to his name, care of the White House <laughs> in Washington. Um, and just to confirm what you said, again, uh, there's, uh, I guess Putin now is, is saying, you know, there, there are no meetings that will happen with Rex Tillerson. So that's confirmed. Um, Let freeze up some time. He can go catch an opera or something. But it just 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 all sounds like a really bad movie it well and here's i'll go back in history to world war one and this is kind of what i was trying to say before when we first were talking about this and that is world war one started or was kicked off if you will um sparked by a very minor incident you know some noble an important noble but still a noble there were other nobles in the austro-hungarian empire was killed in one province of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and it, you know, the whole continent was just primed for war, and then that just happened to be what did it. Well, you have the Middle East, which isn't primed for war; it's been at war for, you know, decades, um, and you've got, you know, uh, Russia and the United States both putting them, well, I was going to say backing themselves into a corner, they're backing the other one into a corner, where the other one had, you know, you can't just come out and say, uh, Russia, you have to do X, Y, Z, or this is going to happen to you. Mm -hmm. And I actually, personally, I tend to be more of a Hillary Clinton hawk on certain things, but 
you can't be doing this. You don't go throwing around words you can't take back. And Barack Obama kind of did that with the red line, you remember? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he said, if you use chemical weapons, that's a red line. Well, he, of course, Assad used chemical weapons. His father used chemical weapons against his own people. It's a family tradition. Mm -hmm. Family values there. Um, so... It, it, this is actually in defense of boring diplomacy and boring news because that takes boring people going over there and not saying incendiary things but saying we have to figure a way out of this thing because if this becomes a war that drags the United States in on the opposite side of Russia, um, it's going to get bad. Well, since we're on Progressive Voices Network and there are several other talk show hosts who have gone there and talked about conspiracy theories and things like that, I mean, there's word out there that, uh, that it's possible this is all this is all a script that was written and it's all being played out. Everybody's a major player in all this. Everybody knew what is going to happen, such as, you know, Russia being in with the Trump people in bombing Syria that didn't do much damage. It just sent a message. And, and, and that at the end of it all, it was just to justify going to war, having some action with certain countries that would financially benefit certain individuals. That is a theory that I've heard out there. Again, it assumes that uh, Donald Trump does long-range planning and he doesn't. <laughs> Plus... There's been such turnover now in the, the Trump defense and intelligence agency leadership that you don't have the same people. You know, Steve Bannon, no longer on the Security Council. Apparently, he's very close to being kicked out of the administration. Yay. Um, you know, that, that General Mattis, the defense secretary, would collude with Russia? No. He's, he's a hawk on Russia. Not going to happen. Um, it, it, I think that's that's... That's why conspiracy theories have a bad reputation. You know, I mean, we don't need to go down the Alex Jones Infowars uh, rabbit hole because what's really happening takes. It's important that people actually pay attention to the facts and what we know and what the how the various actors behave and what they have at stake. Or just tune in to uh, John's show, which is the week to week <laughs> political roundtable talk. So it'll air here. This Friday at 4 o'clock West Coast time. Michelle Miao time. California time. Um, and hear more discussions, thoughtful discussions with, with political leaders on issues that impact and affect our community. I want to thank everybody for joining us here on the program. We're here Monday through Friday, 4 o'clock. And I won't say it again. I think you know when we air. So if you're in New York, that's 7 o'clock your time. Okay? Uh, <laughs> or some, somewhere in the East Coast. Uh, for everything else, you can head to michellemeow.com. We have some great interviews that I just uh, wrapped up and produced in talking about black trans lives and also what to do if ICE comes for you, even in a sanctuary city like San Francisco, uh, by the way. And we have more interviews coming up, such as one with Dolores Huerta. So make sure you check that all out at michellemeow.com. We'll see you tomorrow at the same time. Many nonprofits rely on events to raise money, create space for community gathering, and offer opportunities to network. But how many hours in a day do community leaders have when they're busy changing the world? Imagine your next event, gala, festival, or celebration professionally executed with creative ideas and ideals to match your community service. IDK is the community's trusted event production company. Visit idkevents.com for all your event production needs.
Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on on Facebook. Like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices. On the Progressive Voices Facebook page, we update the stories that our hosts like Tom Hartman, Stephanie Miller, Bill Press, and Leslie Marshall will be talking about during their shows. And we share great news, commentaries, opinion pieces, and videos from all over the progressive world. Always progressive, always on. Be part of the progressive conversation. Like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices.